Amen. We know that God's plan for our life is awesome. God's got a good plan for your life. Amen. God is a good God. I, I, I love, I think it's Romans 12, isn't it? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Don't be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you might be able to prove what is the good, the acceptable, and perfect will of God. I grew up being taught that there were three levels of the will of God. I don't believe that's true. I just believe that God's will for your life is good. Hello? He is a good God, and because you were created in his image and his likeness, you're good. The word good means something that gives of itself for the betterment of its environment. We serve a good God, but you're a good person. God made you good. Look at the guy next to you and say, man, it's good to be with me. Amen. You know, life gets better when you show up. Come on. If you're living in the right image, life gets better when you show up. You know, you got, you got three images. You got your true image. You got your perceived image and you have a projected image but when you're living in your true image the fact of the matter is life gets better the world's better because you're in it amen you know you know people and and you know most of us have met somebody or we've heard about somebody that when they come in they just suck the life right out of the room that's not you amen and and, and if that's ever been you know part of the 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 definition of you change Right? Come on, realize that I'm, I'm going to work tomorrow. I'm going to the family today. I, I'm going to go to the store, and life's getting better because I'm coming. Amen? My life is making a positive difference. God's will for your life is good, and it's acceptable. In other words, it's the only thing that is acceptable to you is God's will. You shouldn't accept anything other than the will of God in your life. You have an enemy, an adversary that would love to lead you off track and get you to live a life that's less than the life God's called you to. Jesus didn't come and demonstrate Satan's defeat, be beaten and bruised and nailed on a cross, go to the grave, raise from the dead with the keys of sin, hell, and death in his hand, put them back in the hand of man, ascend on high and was seated at the right hand of the Father. He didn't go through all of that so you could be average. Okay? He came to connect us to life as God has it. John 10, 10 says the thief came to kill, steal, and destroy. But I've come that you might have and enjoy life in abundance to the top till it overflows. It's God life. It's life as God has it. See, a lot of us, we're connected to God, yet still separated from God life. And today, we're here to tell you, you don't have to go through life separated from God life. That the same power that raised Christ from the dead is now living and operating inside of you. And if you're in Christ, I got news for you. No weapon formed against you can prosper. It, it, there's no way the enemy can take you out. That's what's so frustrating to hell is that the fact of the matter is, is that if you just stay in the will of God, you're going to win. You're going to succeed. To make any difference, what happens? The only, only will that's acceptable to you is God's will. That should be the only thing. A lot of times we end up, you know, kind of duped. We get tricked into letting stuff happen in our life that's not part of God's plan. Well, you have the authority. You have, you have the power. I, I know there's a, there's, a, there's a mindset that we, just, we want to cling to, but we've got to challenge it, and it's God is in control. God is in control. Well, if God was really in control of your life, wouldn't you be a whole lot nicer? You know, you're in control. The only area that God's in control is the area that you've given total surrender to him. And I've got to tell you something, as, as hard as we try, that's hard to do in every area. It's hard to do in any area to have total surrender. I don't know about you, but 
usually sometime during the day, I show up. And it's not always pretty. Okay. But God's working over that and beyond that and through that. And he's changing us as we go, right? We're growing and we're changing from the inside out. But we've got to learn to not accept anything other than God's will. Because God's will is good. God's will is acceptable. And God's will is perfect. And the word perfect means lacking nothing. Uh, you know, the Bible says that he has given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. That verse in the CEV says that God has already given us everything we need to live a life that pleases him. You have everything you need to live a life that pleases God. And you know what pleases God? When his children walk in the light of his word. At least that's what the Bible says. I have no greater joy than this to know that my children walk in the light. So when you're walking in the word, you're pleasing God. You're in the middle of his will. You you can't be defeated. You're going to end up winning. So let's stop whining. Start shining. Amen. Let's live like we got some victory. Amen. I, I think sometimes what we do is we realize that if we live like we have victory, we're not going to be able to complain. And that's a real bummer because we love to complain. You know, have you ever noticed that when something bad happens, something goes wrong in your day, you can't hardly wait to tell somebody. Todd calls me all the time. <laughs> just, just kidding. I want us to get in the book. Let's go to Isaiah 54, verse 2 in the message. God's plan, God's challenge. God's challenged us. Amen? As a body, we believe, we believe that, they, that we have a challenge from God, that we would be connected, that we would get committed, that we would become completed, and that our life would become compelling. And it's a challenge. We've got to do life God's way. Matthew, while you're turning to Isaiah 54, let me just quote a couple more scriptures. Matthew 6, 33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness. All these other things will be added to you. Amplified Bible says, Seek first his way of doing and being right. His way of doing and being right. I know we think that we've got a pretty good you know, idea about how things should be done, but Proverbs 14, 12 says that there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end of that way is death, separation separation from what God had intended at the beginning, separation from God's plan. I know we think we got it, but Isaiah says that, uh, you know, that God said that my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. That's not a put down. It's an invitation to begin to think like God thinks, to begin to see what God sees, to begin to get into alignment and begin to say what God says. We have to come into the place where we realize that, you know what? God life is probably going to be a little bit different than my life. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet it's not I that live, but Christ that liveth in me. And the life I now live, I live by the faith of the one who loved me and gave himself for me. The life I now live, doesn't that suggest that the life I now live, doesn't it just kind of suggest that it's different from the life I used to live? And then we get in church and we, and we try to make it rules and regulations and hoops that we jump through. And if it looks too easy, set the hoop on fire. And, and, and we come up with religion, which is the same word that we get the word relic from, which means that which is left behind. Religion's all you have left when God's gone. But aren't you glad that God didn't call you to religion? He called you to relationship. The Lord's on my side, right? Not, not on my team, on my side. He's going through life with me. He's leading me by his spirit and guiding me into the truth. He, he's with me every single day. He's giving me insight and wisdom and revelation and understanding. His voice speaks into my life. I'm so thankful that I have the Holy Spirit operating in my life. 
I know some of you guys, and it doesn't, you know, don't get all messed up here this morning on this, but, but here's the deal. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll deal with you later. This, let, me, let me mess with your brain later on this one. But, you know, I know a lot of people, well, I, that speaking in tongues thing, well, I'll tell you what, I'm just so thankful that I have the ability to pray with the power and the unction of the Holy Spirit. Because there are, there are times leading a congregation, I don't know what to do. And I just begin to pray in the Spirit, and all of a sudden, wisdom and insight begins to operate. I'm so glad that Todd prays in the Spirit, because without the Holy Spirit, his life would just be jacked up. Talk to it. You, you know, the, the, the Bible says that that's how we build up our most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, right? You know, here's the deal. God wants you to win. He's wired you to win. You, you need God in relationship with you. You don't need a religious ceremony. Well, yeah, but I like that stuff. Cool. Enjoy your liturgy. But build your relationship. It doesn't really have to be either or. You can have them both, but make sure that relationship comes first. So that you know that God is real and alive and in my life. And he's working in and through me. Amen? Look at this, Isaiah 54 in the message it says clear lots of ground for your tent clear lots of ground clear lots of ground in other words there's some rubble that needs to be removed from our life you know mentalities and mindsets i'm not talking about bad habits god will deal with you on that i'm talking you know you, we got to get way better that's so pathetic that when our all our, our entire existence is focused on you know, stupid little things, you know, just, just habits and, and, and disorders that we got to get way beyond that. So we got to get way beyond that. God wants us to impact these cities and to change this region and to reach around the world. And quite frankly, uh, you know, when you get off the plane in Haiti and you're walking around, the first thought going through your mind is, I wonder if these people smoke, who cares? You know, the, the, the reality is God's doing something bigger than that. And there's rubble that's got to get removed from our life. And, and, and it's irrelevance. The enemy trying to make you think that your life doesn't matter. That's a lie from the pit. My life matters and how I live makes a difference. You know, apathy and complacency to just be unwilling to change and, and to have a mindset that won't entertain, you know, new ideas from God. You got to get your mind off of birth control. Give birth to a new thought. Amen. That, that we would deal with tradition. That that those those are those are things in our life that need to. It's the rubble that needs to be removed. We we got to clear lots of ground for our tent. We got to make our tent large. You got you got to plan to live bigger. Get bigger. Get bigger. Look at your neighbor and say, "Get bigger." Amen. Here we are in a society. We're all trying to get smaller. Well. Realistically, we need to get a, a larger belief system, a larger mindset, bigger faith. Amen? Think bigger. Get, get huge. Spread out. Spread out. Think big. Spare not. Spare not. Don't hold back. Don't hold back. Use plenty of rope. Drive the tent pegs deep. This morning we're going to talk just a couple of minutes about this, driving the tent pegs deep. You know what happens in life is that if we don't drive those tent stakes deep, the wind blows. 
and it moves us. The Bible says don't be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Why, why does everything move us so, so easily? Well, because we just don't, we haven't driven the stakes very deep. We end up kind of with, with shallow belief systems, with shallow, you know, mentality. And we, we got to drive this thing deep. We used to travel around with a tent. Spent a lot of years in a tent doing tent meetings all over the Pacific Northwest. And I got to tell you something. When you came to Kennewick, you drove the tent stakes deep. Because if you didn't, you had to go to Boise to get the tent. And the wind blows. And I don't know if you've noticed, but if you live in Kennewick, every once in a while, the wind blows. Last week, we were over in Puyallup with a couple of other pastors and, and, and uh, spending some time and just sharing and preaching to each other. And the fact of the matter is, is I picked up on something right away that every now and then it rains over in Seattle. And I don't know what's going on in the, in the environment that you live in, but every now and then stuff happens. Right? I mean, we, we act all shocked if, if, if the wind blows or the rain begins to fall in our life. We act shocked. If, 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 well, whoa. Uh, you know, I thought if I prayed a prayer and wrote my name on a commitment card that life was going to get easy. No, that's just what we told you to get you to respond. Now, the truth is, get full disclosure today. If you decide to follow Jesus, you're going to have to get a backbone. Right? You can believe anything you want to and be socially acceptable, but you bring up the name of Jesus and all of a sudden, you're a minority. You better have some guts. Hello, somebody. You better drive those stakes deep or you're going to be in a lot of trouble. You got to pound them in. You got to pound them in. That's, that's what we're here to do today is pound it in. I love my job. going to pound it in. I, I want you to go to Genesis chapter 26. It says there was a famine in the land besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Gerar. And then the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land which I shall tell you. Dwell in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and your descendants I will give all these lands, and I will perform the oath which I swore to your father, Abraham. And I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of the heaven, and I will give to your descendants all these lands, and in your seed shall all the nations be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. So... Isaac dwelt in Gerar. Everybody say, Isaac dwelt. Let's say it one more time. Isaac dwelt. Okay, what did Isaac do? He did what God said to do. Okay, it didn't make sense to him. It didn't look reasonable to him. That it, he's in a famine. He's in a land that's, that's, that's uh, in, in just experiencing, you know, economic downfall. Hello, somebody. It didn't look promising there. It didn't look comfortable there. It didn't look easy there. It looked hot there, dry there, windy there. Sounds like Tri-Cities. He was in Tri-Cities. But God said, don't leave there. Don't go back to Egypt. Egypt is his type of bondage. Egypt is what you've been delivered from. Egypt is, is what you just came out of. Don't go back into what you just came out of. See, we're making a commitment to be in church, a commitment to pay our tithe, a commitment to be in prayer, a commitment to be in the Word of God every day. Now, don't go back because it just seems dry and hot and windy. Don't, it, it, it starts getting uncomfortable. It starts getting tough. Don't step back into what you just came out of. Press into this new thing and, 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 and drive the tent stakes deep. Dwell. Hang out there for a while. 
Hang out there for a while. Don't cave in, give up, and quit because it just doesn't look right. I don't feel like this is right. Well, you know, it's easy to assume you're lost when you're walking in a place you've never been before. God's got a plan for your life. His plan isn't to harm you. His plan is to prosper you. His plan is to cause increase to come into your life. But you've got to participate with God's plan. So what must you do? You've got to stay where you're at and realize that until God says move, I'm not moving, but I'll never go back again. There's areas of my life where I'm not all the way grown up. I don't have, haven't gotten rid of all my carnality. I know that's shocking to you. But the growth that I've had, I'm not going to back up. I'm not going to let up. I'm not going to give it back. You know, this is really why a lot of people, you know, in, in the realm of healing, it's so interesting because they'll, they'll begin, they'll get God's word on healing and they'll realize that healing's for today, healing's for everybody. I'm, I'm going to walk and help. And before they get out of the sanctuary all the way to the car, they have another symptom. They don't feel good anymore. And so they say, well, I guess it didn't work. Well, you stepped into it. You were there. But then all of a sudden you don't feel good. So you step back. Why? Well, because your tent stakes aren't very deep. I got to tell you something, when, I, when, 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 when people respond to the altar call and they get born again, there's a good chance tomorrow morning they're not going to feel saved. But they are. But if we don't help them drive them tent pegs deep, they're just going back to the same life they had before and sometimes worse. You know, we, we got we to we get a, 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 a revelation that to have what God says I can have my Force me to prove I believe what God said. Because when I do what he said, he'll produce what he promised. Say it. Every single time. I just got to do what he said. Isaac dwelt in the land. Isaac dwelt in that land. That, that word dwell literally means to drive the stakes deep. It means to continue or to sit as a king sits on a throne with his authority. You got to dwell in the land. You, you got to take up residency and begin to demonstrate your authority right where you are. Well, I just wish life would get easier. That's called heaven. I don't, I'm just tired of fighting. Then you're going to have to die. Because life is filled with tribulation. It ain't a bummer. He said, be of good cheer. I showed you how to overcome all of this. You know what we got to do? We got to quit acting like a bunch of sissies. You know, those guys on Saturday night, they're just a bunch of bedwetters. But we are mature. Uh, you know, it's so weird that, that, that we struggle with the promises of God. And we question his word. No, there's nothing more reasonable than to believe God. There's absolutely nothing more reasonable than believing God. Somebody say amen. amen. Don't leave this place. Don't go back into slavery. Don't go back into poverty. Don't go back into sickness and brokenness, depression, unbelief. Don't go back. Stay in this place that God's brought you to. Yeah, pastor, but I know people we've prayed for and they died. I'm not building my life upon the experience of someone else. I'm building it upon the word of God. I, I don't know everything that was going on in their, in their world and in their 
situation. And all I got to tell you is, is that I'm standing on the word of God. We got a bunch of dead people walking around here. Talk to them. Should be buried. We should have had potato salad. But no, they had to go ahead and live. (laughs) Dwell in this land. Use your authority in this land. Demonstrate Satan's defeat in this land. You're already here. Stay here. Don't go back. Amen. God said, if you trust me, I'll bless you there. I'll be with you there and I'll multiply you there. I will be with you there. I will bless you there. I will multiply you there. Go back and read it. That's what he said to him. If you stay here, I'll be with you here. I'll bless you here. I'll multiply you here. Guys, the other side of that is if you go back, you're on your own. You're not positioned to win or succeed. And the increase, you're not going to see it. Don't go back. Look at verse 12. Genesis 26, verse 12. Then Isaac sowed in that land. In what land? In the land of famine. Isaac sowed in that land. And he reaped in the same year a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. And the Lord blessed him. Check this out. The man began to prosper, continued prospering, until he became very prosperous. I kind of, I wouldn't mind having that on my tombstone. That ought to be the motto of our life. And, and if all you think of is money, when you hear the word prosper, you need somebody to slap you. Because you can have a lot of money, but so many life issues that the money doesn't make a difference. It can't help you. You know, the other night, on Wednesday night, we were with the youth, and, and uh, we were talking through Proverbs 3, and we got to a scripture, and I had considered just leaving it out. But then the Spirit, you know, I just felt, no, we got we to use this one. And it says, it says to honor the Lord with your wealth. Have you ever seen a, a, you know, a youth ministry offering? <laughs> Honor the Lord with your wealth. But we got to talking about, what, well, what's wealth? Well, I know some people that have got a ton of money that would give it all to have their youthfulness. Their wealth is their life. Well, the same thing's true for you and me. Life. Don't make any difference what possession you have. It ain't worth much if you croak. Right? So, the, the, you know, honor the Lord with your wealth. What's that? That's with your life. Honor God with your life. Live it for God. Honor God with your life. You begin to live. You continue to live. And you become very much alive. I'm not talking about Yoe life. I'm talking about Zoe life. Right? Talking about living God life. You, you begin to live the God life, you continue to live the God life, and you become so alive in Christ. But verse 13 can't happen without verse 12. Look at verse 12 again. Then Isaac sowed in that land. Isaac invested himself right there. He didn't go back, but he put himself in there. He, he, he sowed himself into the land. Let's look at these three points together and talk about it and, and get it moving in our life. Amen? He began. He launched out. He kicked off. He got started. You, you know, how do, I, how do I get started? Well, you just make a choice, make a decision. You know, Deuteronomy 30 says, uh, you know, God has set life and death in front of you. Choose life. You know, here, here's a multiple choice test that God's given his people and he also gave them the answers 
He, must, he calls us son, but that don't mean because we're bright. He, he, he had to give us the answer to a, two multiple choices. Choose life. Choose life, Ron. Choose life, right? Choosing life. We're choosing life. We're making life choices. That's how we begin. We choose life. But you know what's crazy is that the real beginning isn't up to you. He's already done it. God's already started his work in you. If he hadn't, you wouldn't be here. I don't care. You can say I was drugged to church. You're a liar. We don't go anywhere and listen to anything that we don't want to. There's something inside of us that's wanting some life. We're hoping that today something will be different, that we'll find something that will empower us to, to really elevate to a new lifestyle. God started the work in you. Look at Philippians 1.6. I'm convinced and sure of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will continue until the day of Jesus Christ, right up to the time of his return, developing that good work and perfecting and bringing it to full completion in you. He started it, he'll continue it, and you'll become all that God's called and created you to become if you just let him move in your life. He started a good thing in you. I love what David said. David said, I look behind me and you're there. Look out in front of me, and you're out there too. Well, if you look around today, you can find out that God's right here. You know, there are situations that we're going through that we can't really wrap our brain around sometimes, but God's always at work. You know, it wasn't too long ago uh, that a young gal brought a friend, and they came to church, and they sat on the front row, and she had contacted me through Facebook, and she had been uh, looking at Facebook. She worked for a company that flew her and a bunch of coworkers to Spokane, and they were doing training. It was two weeks worth of training. On the weekend, she uh, had made a decision to rent a car and get somebody to come with her, and she's going to drive to Kennewick because she had read on Facebook that Tom Fields pastored a church in Kennewick, Washington. She wanted to come find out if that was true because she had gone to school a few years behind me, and she didn't really believe it. And so she, so I don't know where, you know, some people, you know, go figure. And so they end up in church. And, and, uh, and come time for the altar call that morning, her friend, her co-worker, raised her hand, responded to the altar call, went to the prayer room, came out and just, oh, my God, you know, just the total transformation of her life, just so filled with joy. And she got in the car and left, and I got to thinking about it. Isn't it interesting? That, you know, in the seventh grade, my parents packed us up and we moved to a new city and we got plugged into this school so that that girl in that middle school would, would, would you know, be, follow me through high school. And so one day, several years later, you know, because it's been a few since I left high school, and uh, uh, she would be flown by her company to Spokane, Washington. She'd be curious. She'd rent a car. She'd get a coworker to come with her. She'd bring him to church and her coworker would get born again. All the way back there, God was working so that he could not reach her, but so that he could reach her co-worker. You know, I know that you think that the, mistake, the mistakes that you've made and some of the choices you've, you've chosen and, and actions that you perform have probably messed up the plan of God. No, you're just not that special. You don't have enough power to screw up God's plan. Have you heard of Hitler? He couldn't mess up the plan of God. Yeah, we've done some dumb things. We, we, have, we have really had some great failures in our life. But God is bigger than all of that, and he's working on your behalf. He began it, he's continuing it, and he's going to bring it to completion. You're not going under, you're going over. Why do you think hell so ticked off? 
The only way the enemy can rip you out of destiny is if you buy into his lie. So we're going to make a choice. We're not going to do it. We're going to begin the way God begins. How does God begin? Look at John 1. Verse 1. In the beginning was the word. Well, if he starts with the word, maybe we should. Everything in our life should just start with the word. If you don't have a word, don't start. Just don't go back. But make sure that you've got a word. Begin with the word. Romans 10, 17 tells us that faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Faith is developed in your heart as you begin to hear and receive the word. One, here's, think about the process. Faith is developed in your heart. That faith begins to change the way that you see life. So, so all of a sudden your vision begins to change. As that vision begins to change, your mind is now renewed to the word and you begin to become new based upon the word that's birthed the faith inside of your heart. It starts with the word. It starts with the word. I don't care if an angel stood at the foot of your bed and shook you and woke you up and gave you instruction. If it wasn't scripture, it wasn't God. We believe in prophecy and prophetic words. And that, but you really don't need somebody to come in and call you out of a large audience by your name and tell you how much change you have in your pocket. Don't you know your name? Hopefully you can figure out how much change you have in your pocket. But when the word of God begins to be inspired into your life and it's breathing life into you, now all of a sudden you're in a position where God can begin to change you from the inside out. It's God. God is the word. He can't say anything but the word. So if you're hearing anything that isn't the word, that's not God. Begin with the word. And then, you know, he began to prosper. He continued to prosper. How do I continue? Well, you stay in the word. I don't know why it's so easy for us to start well and finish so horribly wrong. But we get started on something and we're following God. But along the way, we show up and we take over and we want credit and we want control and we want to share our incredible wisdom. Well, John 8, 31 and 32, look at this. Jesus is talking to his disciples and he makes this statement in John 8, 31 and 32. He said, if you continue in my word, if you continue in my word, then you're my disciples indeed. You'll know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Look at verse 31 again. If you continue in my word, then you're my disciple. Here's the problem is a lot of us, we think we're following Christ, but we're not basing our life off the word. Doesn't this tell us the other side of the coin here is that if you're not continuing in my word, then you're not really my disciple. Jesus asked another question that's pretty important. He said, how many, you know, desire to be my disciple? Then deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. If you really desire to be a, a disciple of Christ, a follower of Christ, you've got to deny yourself. Why? Because yourself is probably going to disagree with him. Hello? So you just got to continue in the word. You've got to continue in the word. Well, what if it doesn't look right? We don't go by that which is seen, but that which is not seen. Have you, think about that scripture for just a minute. We do not live by that which is seen, but that which is unseen. Well, the things which are not seen and the things which are 
unseen, right? The things. I, I probably should have put it up there in King James for you so you can see it. The word things, all through the Bible, both Old Testament and New Testament. In the Old Testament, it's debar. It means word. And in the New Testament, logos. It means words. Words. You, you got to get into the word. You got to get into the word. For some of you guys, you're going to love this. You got to get in. You go to debar. <laughs> get it? Okay. You've just been going to the wrong bar. Okay, go to the bar, God's word, go to God's word. The things which are seen, that's not what we live by. Things, words that are seen. Okay, God created everything with his word, right? He said, let there be light. That word became a thing that you could see. Okay, here's the deal, is that the things that are unseen are words that are not seen, but they're words that are alive inside of you. We live by the word of God, whether we see it or not. Jonah is in the belly of, of hell, is what, how he described it. I cried from the belly of hell. He, he's, the bars encompass me about. He's inside the rib cage of a great fish. But he made this statement, they who observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. What does that mean? That lying vanity, vanities, things, things that I'm looking at, it's, it's a picture, it's a circumstance that's lying to me because I've got a word from God. I'm healed. I don't feel good. Well, I'm healed. God sent his word and healed them by his stripes. Ye were healed. If you, you know, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you might be healed. God wants you to walk healed. Yeah, but, I, but this thing's on me. I, I'm not going to look at that. I'm going to look at the word. If you continue in my word, that word will make you free because all of a sudden you begin to know that word. Right? It's the knowledge of that word. You got to continue. You got to keep going. You got to keep pressing in. I know there are days when we want to quit. There's days, you know, but, but you, you know what, guys? You just got to keep asking, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? By the way, if you have people that call you up all the time and they just love to complain, I'll tell you how to get them to quit almost instantly. You, know, you answer the phone, hello, and they begin to talk and share their problem. And you say, okay, wait, 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 wait. What does the Bible say? Hello? Hello? Oh, I guess we got disconnected. What does the Bible say? Well, don't go to those people and talk to them about your problem. All they want to do is preach to you. They just want to give you a word. That's all you need. Yeah, I said that's all you need, man. If you're basing your life off of anything other than God's word, you're going to fail anyway. So get in the word. Get in the word. You know what really bites about this is that this material can be used against me. There are days where I, I can have a bad day and I can be in a bad mood and I can get up and, and look just to look across the bed and Shelby will say, what does the Bible say? <laughs> Let's go to number three. Become. Become. He began to prosper. He continued to prosper. He became very prosperous. You start with the word, you continue in the word, and it's not long till you become what the word says. You're going to win. The Bible says you're more than a conqueror. So you begin with the word. You continue with the word, even on the day you feel like a loser. But you get up, well, God's word says, I'm above only and not beneath. I'm blessed coming in and blessed going out, blessing the city, blessing the field. I'm the headlight, not the taillight. And you just continue on the word. And pretty soon, let me tell you what will happen in your life. 
You'll be blessed coming in. You'll be blessed coming out. You'll be blessed in the city. You'll be blessed in the field. You'll become the word. Your marriage might be in trouble, but what does the Bible say? Well, Isaiah 32, 18 says, My people shall dwell in a peaceful habitation, a secure dwelling, a quiet resting place. So I'm going to drive the tent pegs deep. I'm not going to back up. I'm going to believe God for peaceful habitation. I'm going to act like we got peace. I'm going to act like we got peace. When all hell's breaking loose, I'm going to act like I got peace. And it won't be long till peace begins to be produced through your life in your situation. You don't need God to move you out of your situation. You need to move, him, move you in it. You need to be moved enough that you allow God to change you from the inside out by his word. You got to be committed. See, God doesn't want you just to be connected to his word. He wants you to be committed to his word. Hello? Why? Because if you stay committed to his word, it won't be long till his word begins to complete you. And if you become complete by the word of God, it's not long till your life becomes compelling to others. And they, you don't have to go around town with a sandwich board and a family-sized Bible. They're just following you around to figure out how in the world are you doing this. Guys, the plan that God has for your life is an awesome plan. The things that he has for you are wonderful things. It's marvelous stuff. But you have an enemy that wants to get you off track. Don't go back. You took a step. You took a step. You made a commitment. It's for me and my house. We're serving God. Well, don't back up now. Don't be surprised when opposition shows up, but don't be worried about it either. Just seek God's way of doing and being right, right where you're at. God, what would you say? What would you say? How would you be thinking? How would you be acting if you were in this situation? And if you'll just get in the Word, get the Word, find the Scripture. You know what's scary is how many people that, that, that we're locked up with, connected with it. If you ask them, what's the Scripture that you're building your life on? They don't have one. Well, I, just, I bought a T-shirt and a bumper sticker, and I'm hanging on till Jesus comes. It's so shallow. So shallow. Last night, I, I thought about choking a couple people out as they were leaving the building. Because I'm preaching this, and I'm teaching this, and on the way out, I was stupid. I said, how are you doing? Well, I'm hanging in there. And I'm thinking, I hope to get, that you get rope burn or something from hanging in there. Just want, I want them to wake up in the morning with me on top of the bed saying, you're doing better! we got to start acting like we believe the Word of God. There is a peace that passes all understanding. Is that right, Becky? That's right. If you'll just get in the Word, continue in the Word, it'll blow your mind. We go through hellacious situations in life, but the fact is we go through. You can cave in and give up and quit if you want to. You can just hang in there till Jesus comes, but you're pathetic. And that's not what God called you to be. Well, shouldn't you be nice, Pastor? I am being nice. You should have heard what I was thinking about Satan. <laughs> I don't want you to feel better. I want you to live better. We're going we're gonna to mess this region up for good. I mean it, guys. You got to clear lots of ground. Get rid of all that rubble. Drive them stakes in deep. Use a lot of rope. Spread out, man. Get ready because God is going to do a great thing in your life. But you've got to start in that word and you've got to continue. You've got to continue. Man, I tell you what, when Shelby and I first got married and got started in ministry, it seemed like everything that could come against us came against us. 
every, you know, every relationship was challenged. I mean, even, you know, think about it. Even, even when we were in Salem, we, we spent five years pastoring in Salem, came out of there with one relationship, Keith and Lene. It's like, it's just like, my God, what's next? But, the, but, but God's word says, God's word says, God's word says. And I got to tell you something, I love my life. And I thank God that his word is causing us to become the very thing he's called us and created us to become. These pastors that we were with this week, you know, they, they had us drive over and sit down and bring up all the notes and the, and the stuff on the God challenge because they're just so excited about taking the God. And I'm just thinking, Jesus, this is just a message. And finally, one of the guys looks at me. I, I can't believe I'm saying this. I told Todd, but one of the guys looked at me. His name's Glenn Johnson, been in ministry for 29 years. And he looked at me and he said, you know, I just perceive in my spirit, Tom, that you need to begin to believe in yourself. And I thought, well, I've never been accused of not believing in myself before. <laughs> and he said, no, I'm serious. He said, I, I, I think you put up a good front. He said, but the fact of the matter is, he says, I believe that if you really believed in yourself, you'd already have a church of 5,000. I've listened to your messages. I've listened to your teaching. Why don't you start believing in yourself? And I drove out of there thinking, Glenn is on crack. <laughs> Let me ask you this morning. When are you going to start believing in yourself? When are you going to start believing God to do bigger things in your life than you've ever dreamed? How come you keep limiting God? How can you say that to me? Well, because Glenn said it to me. If I have to entertain these thoughts, so do you. How come you allow the enemy to contain you, to compress you? I told Glenn, well, I don't want a church of 10,000. I'd rather see 20 churches of 500. And he said, why don't you have 20 churches of 5,000? Do you have leaders for the other churches? No. Well, then you ought to grow one. You know, you, know, you, ought, to, you ought to get on the thing that, you know, you're doing. And, and go, what, you know, you just, said, you just read to me, think big. So, guys, we're going to change a couple of things around here. We're going to think big. We're, I said, we're going to think big. Not just about growing churches, about growing lives. We're going to think big about building your life. Because, because you are, you're, you're bigger than you're living. All of us are. You know, it's not a put down. It's, it's the reality. You're bigger than the, life, than the life you're living. You know, the life we've called you to, the message says, it, it, it's not a small life. We just live in it in a small way. Well, come on, guys. Let's live big. Let's live big. Let's start with the word. Continue in the word and become what the word says we are. Amen. Give somebody a high five. Tell them, man, I'm glad you're here. Say, you really needed that. Bow your head, close your eyes, let's pray.